Turn with me to Genesis chapter 18, and while you're going there, I better share some announcements, uh, lest I forget and get in trouble when I get home. Thank you, Lord. First of all, um, let me just say a word about the Trail of Treats. Uh, We have uh, a family now in our church because of the Trail of Treats. We say thank God for that. Amen? Um, However... Uh, we have a serious shortage of volunteers of people that will put tables together. And I have told my wife, I will not let her do it all. And so if we don't have the, the volunteers that we need, we have a thousand people come on our property and we're playing Christian music and the coffee trucks here. And we, we have an awesome uh, night reaching out. In fact, At the last Trail of Treats, I prayed with four or five different families, and I I ministered. It's it's a night of connection and ministry. But if we don't have the volunteers that we need to actually put tables together, that's what we need. We need people that will decorate tables and put tables together, okay? If we don't have the number of people that we need, we're, we're going to cancel this event. Um, because I'm not going to allow my wife to run herself ragged. And all God's people said, so um, I'm getting a little harsher than my wife that says, please volunteer at the back table. Um, I'm calling on God's people to volunteer. And if you're listening at, at, at uh, home, uh, please, we need you. Amen. I want to be like Uncle Sam. We need you. All right. Um, secondly, uh, food pantry this Tuesday. We're excited about what God's doing in the food pantry. And we have giveaway. Giveaway starts at 2 o'clock, but we need people here at 1.30 to help unload the truck and, and get things organized. And so if you can be here at 1.30, that would be awesome. This Saturday, we have a wiener roast at the Sheehan ranch. And uh, so please come. We're going to have a great time. Uh, Bring uh, a side dish to share. We will have hot dogs and we will have marshmallows. We'll have a hay rack ride together. Bring a friend to this event. Uh, We love this event. It's it's an amazing time together. 530 out at the Sheehan's. If you need directions for that, we can get them to you. And then uh, women's ministry on the 21st. Ladies, mark your calendar. Debbie, uh, Debbie Iman from Decatur is going to be here to share with our women. Um, I don't have times for that written down, and that's not my fault. On the 22nd, the following morning, so the women are meeting the 21st on the Friday. On the 22nd in the morning at 8 a.m., the men are meeting for a breakfast. We're excited about that. And so we're going to come and eat together and share and uh, have some fellowship. We have not had a men's breakfast since before COVID. And this is the first one. We're excited about it. And so uh, the 22nd. we are fully back. If you want to know what's happening, you can go to cometofaith.com. And uh, it, all of our events are there at cometofaith.com. And so you can avail yourself 
to that. Praise God. If you, uh, if you want to give this morning, there are white boxes back on the table. We encourage you to uh, drop your offering uh, in the white box, and we will make sure it uh, gets where it needs to go. Brother Brian, I'm wondering if you could hunt me down a bottle of water. I am in serious need of some water. Thank you, brother. Praise God. Oh, Candace beat him to it. Thank you so much. It's hard to drink from a bottle gracefully. Glory to Jesus. We're in Genesis chapter 18. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Father, we make room for you. We make room for you to come and have your way. Lord, I thank you that even now your presence is here, your spirit is here to speak and to minister. We thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. I want to ask you a question. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Give me the big one. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else need a drink? There's water in the house. I want to ask you a question that the Bible asks often. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too hard for God? The Spirit of the Lord wants to convince you this morning that your situation is not too hard for God. Eight days ago, before we read the scripture from Genesis 18, eight days ago, I was taking chairs out of here to make it seem more full with less people. It's a trick. It's a scheme. It makes people feel a little bit better. It's psychology. <laughs> and I had a, a cart of tables, and I'd just gotten into the fellowship hall. And the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And the Spirit of the Lord said, you're going to need all of these chairs. And I felt the Lord, and I just had to stop, and it was a bit overwhelming. Because God is moving. He is setting the table. He is beginning to do things that we have not seen before. The numbers of people that are connecting to my wife and I are stronger now than they've ever been. 
And it's not just people that, that uh, want to be a part of a religion. They need God to do something in their lives. And they're expecting God to move in their lives. And I look at these chairs and I look at, I look at uh, your lives. I know some of the situations that are going on in your lives. I certainly don't know them all. I know many of them. And I ask you the question, is anything too hard for God? There is nothing that is too hard for God. And those of you that were a part of breakfast tables, you, you were discussing, uh, if you got to the end, I don't know if you did or not, but in Genesis chapter 18, you were discussing the story where uh, the, the three men come to Abraham. And I want to pick it up, and I just want to read the story starting in verse 1. It says, Then the Lord appeared to him, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door and in the heat of the day. And so God comes to visit Abraham. He lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself down to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant. Please let a little water be brought. Wash your feet, rest yourselves under the tree, and I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by in as much as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to a young man, and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them, and he stood by under the tree as they ate. And then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And so he said, here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife will have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. And therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have this pleasure, my Lord, uh, being old also? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I feel the power of God just reading that, uh, that uh, portion of Scripture. And I want us to pray right now that the Lord would just open up His Word to us. So God, I, I pray right now that as we, as we look at Your Word this morning, that You will speak to Your people each one. God, that you would apply it, you would apply it 
uh, as you will, you will apply it uh, to each one in the name of Jesus. So give us ears to hear what you are saying in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. So Abraham knew the Lord. He was a friend of God. He had already had encountered with him. In Genesis chapter 12, he was called, and he believed God, and God credited to him as righteousness. Abraham knew the Lord. Abraham walked with God. And so when Abraham uh, saw these three men coming, he knew that there was something different about them. He recognized that, that this was not just any three men. He recognized that this was God appearing to him. Now, we don't understand all of this. Is this, is this God in, in, and two angels? Um, what, what is this? I, in fact, I read a, a lot about this story, and there's a lot of different interpretations. But we know that, that uh, he is the Lord because he speaks as the Lord. Abraham bows down to him, and he receives worship. When it is just an angel, the angel always says, uh, no, don't worship me. I'm not worthy of it. This is what we call a theophany. And so it is God appearing in human form to Abraham. And so uh, Abraham recognized this moment. And that's the first thing that, that we have to do. God is looking for people that will know him so that when that moment of visitation comes, they recognize the moment. They recognize the moment. God meets with an individual. Praise God. And so Abraham had the fortitude to recognize that moment. Yesterday I did a wedding uh, with, uh, in fact, Brian, Brian's daughter got married. It was a beautiful wedding. Uh, many of the people there I know did not know the Lord. And as I was sharing, I felt the anointing of the Holy Spirit in the room. And I, was, uh, I, I, shared, I shared a simple gospel message of God's covenant love with his people uh, during the wedding. And it was, it was a beautiful expression. And there were several in the room afterwards that came to me had, and had recognized that moment. And there were a whole lot of people that the seed went in them and we're believing for that seed to water, amen? And we're uh, certainly not here to condemn people that don't know the Lord. We're here to bring them along uh, unto Christ, amen? And so we're not here to condemn those that did not recognize it. The seed of the gospel went into them and we're believing for it to water, but there were a whole lot of people that did not recognize the moment, right? We are... We are, uh, we are called to recognize the moment. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. And this was just before the cross, after all of his ministry, three years of ministry, many people being set free, many be people being touched by the Lord, many people being healed and raised from the dead and delivered. And, uh, and Jesus had taught and preached, and yet, people, the, the, the religious community rejected him, and many of the people had turned their backs on him. And so he stands on the Mount of Jerusalem, and he looks down, and he's, and he's weeping over the city. And he says, Jerusalem, 
Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather you to myself as a hen gathers his chicks under his wings, but you were not willing. You did not recognize the hour of your visitation. That's what he says. You did not recognize that I was moving in your midst. You did not recognize that something peculiar was happening. Imagine spending your whole life telling people that you were waiting for the Messiah. And then when the Messiah came, you did not recognize the coming of the Messiah. People live this way. They spend their whole life saying, one day I'll live for God. And decades go by. Decades go by. And they do nothing about it. God is knocking on the door in this moment and in this hour. And he's saying, church, I'm about to visit. Will you open up your ears? Will you open up your heart? Will, will you Will you prepare the way? Will you make the way? Will you open up the door so that I can come in and so that I can sup with you and so that I can fellowship with you? Ephesians 3, or Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And we say, God, open up the door. And so what did, so what did Abraham do? When this moment of visitation came, he did not continue on with his day as he always had continued on with the day. You see, he had a he, he had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich ready for lunch. And he had his day planned out. But when these three came, it interrupted his schedule and he allowed God to interrupt his schedule. When you recognize the day of visitation, you've got to allow God to interrupt your schedule. You've got to say, Lord, I'm not going to continue the way to, to do things the way that I have always done them. I'm going to make room for you. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to make room for you to move. You have to allow him to interrupt your schedule. When visitation comes, you're not doing things the way that you've always done them. Some people, when they recognize the Holy Spirit is real. I've been, I've been a Christian all my life, but I recognize now the Holy Spirit is real. And when you recognize that, you go, I can't do things the same as I've always done them. How many of you came out of churches that were that were primarily religious in nature. Many of the people that attended were good people, but you, you looking back, you don't know if they were born again or not. And you went through all kinds of religious motion, but when God uh, visited you, you allowed him to interrupt your schedule and you said, oh, there's, your eyes were opened and you went, oh, there is more than this. And you allowed him to change and rearrange your life and your schedule. And everything that you did in your worldview shifted and you just went, 
whoa, God, you are nearer to me than I ever thought possible. And you wanted everybody else to have it as well. And some of the people that you went to and said, I want you to hear what God's done to me. And they looked at you cross-eyed. Because you recognize something and you made room for it. You allowed God to interrupt your schedule. Praise God. We allow him. We make room for him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. The second thing that, that Abraham did, of course, when God appears in human form to you, He's got to be hungry. Right? And he wasn't just preparing a meal. He was preparing worship. And the second thing that that Abraham did was he took of his best to give it to God. He didn't say, hey, Go get some bread and some peanut butter and slap it on a sandwich. No, he went to his servant and he said, take the youngest of the calves. See, calves, they don't, they don't have a lot of meat on them. But the meat that they have on them is the most tender of all of the meat. It is the best of the best. And he took the time to prepare the absolute best that he had for God. Praise the Lord. How many times have I, even as a pastor, prepared something half-hearted for God? How many times as believers... Have we come to the place of bringing offering to the Lord? And have we given him half-hearted worship? When I, uh, when I am going to a, a place of, of worship, and I'm not, especially when I'm not responsible for leadership, I'm not leading worship, I'm not preaching, I'm, I'm in the congregation. Uh, those are the times where I, the Holy Spirit checks me every single time. Because you know what I'm tempted to do? I'm tempted to just sit there and just say, Lord, I thank you that I don't have to do anything today. I'm tempted to just sit there. But the Holy Spirit checks me. And something rises up inside of me. This happens almost every single time. And I say, God... I am going to give you my very best today. I am going to come before you with all of my heart. Hallelujah. I am not just going to give you lip service. I am not just going to sing songs. I'm going to come before you with everything that I have. Hallelujah. With all that I am because he is worthy of everything that I have. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody give him praise right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are worthy of my best. And so in these days of transition that we're in, the, the dust is in the air. We don't know who's going to be here and who's going to be there and uh, who's, 
who's uh, going to be this and who's going to be that. And, and we're, we can be tempted to look around and say, oh, not many are here today. Or we can say, Jesus, it does not matter today how many are in your house. Jesus, it does not matter if there is a drummer to help me clap or not. Jesus, it does not matter what song selection they make today. Jesus, it doesn't matter if the pastor preaches on my favorite passage or not. I have, I am coming to gather with God's people and I am going to give you everything that I've got. I'm going to give you all my worship. I'm going to give you all my praise. I'm going to lift up my voice to you, but it is not only my voice that you're going to hear. I'm going to lay my heart out before you. I am going to give you my best because I recognize this moment of visitation. Hallelujah. I recognize this moment of visitation. Whew. He gave his best. He gave his best. And the third thing that Abraham did, not only did he make room, not only did he give his best, but Abraham did something that he always did. Sarah hadn't quite learned it yet. When God spoke, Abraham believed him. Abraham believed him. This is why there was tension between Abraham and Sarah. Sarah laughed because she wasn't quite sure. She believed God. She got there, but Abraham believed God. When he spoke, praise the Lord. Your wife is here. She's going to have a son. God. And so she laughs. God doesn't know what my body's been through already. God doesn't know. This is impossible. But Abraham gets upset with her. Why didn't you? It's not an issue of her laughing or not. If she had merely laughed in, in response of faith, the laughter would have not been an issue. But the laughter in this case represented her doubt. In the word of the Lord. She went, <laughs> Yes, you did laugh. But Abraham did what he had always done, and he believed God. He believed God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the Lord spoke to Abraham in verse 13. Why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I am old? 
God does not reject her because of her doubt. God allows her to stay as a part of the miracle, praise God. And I thank God that he, had, he didn't give up on me every time I doubted him, amen. He didn't give up on me when I, uh, when I went the wrong direction. He didn't give up on me when sometimes I, I said, I, I'm, I'm just not so sure about that promise, God. I'm just not so sure about that. God gave her a chance. Thank you, Lord. And ask the question, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? You know, Sarah's not the only one to wrestle with that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? There are others that wrestled with that question down throughout history of the church is anything too hard for God you remember when the angel came to Zechariah in the Christmas story in the New Testament and said you're gonna have a son and guess what he did he doubted God he doubted God same situation. My wife's past childbearing years. How is this going to even be possible? And in that case, the angel said, as a sign unto you, you're not going to be able to talk until you have that baby in your arms and you name him John. And he went mute. And for nine months, he couldn't speak. I don't know if his wife was happy about that or not. But he wrestled with that question, is anything too hard for God, right? He wrestled with that question, is anything too hard for God? Jeremiah uh, thought about this. He said, ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Isn't that a great declaration? There is nothing too hard for you. That's Jeremiah uh, 32, verse 17. There is nothing too hard for you. Praise the Lord. Zechariah, Zechariah, uh, chapter 8, verse 6. Zechariah says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is marvelous in the eyes of the remnant of these people in their days, will it Will it also be marvelous in my eyes, says the Lord? Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will save my people from the land of the east, from the land of the west. I will bring them back, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. They shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth. Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. There's nothing too hard for God. Any, anybody remember, anybody here that remembers 1948? I don't know how old people are. You remember? 1948. My dad remembers 1948, I think. 
I'll have to ask him. The year that the Jews came home to a nation, after 2,000 years of people that had been scattered, God brought them back. I want to tell you in our time, that may be the single greatest miracle that has happened in the last hundred years. The, the, the nation of Israel becoming a nation again. That's why I loved it when America acknowledged Jerusalem as the capital uh, just a couple years ago. That was awesome. That, that was m- maybe the most meaningful thing in the previous administration, recognizing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. It was powerful. And the question that, that uh, they asked looking forward, is this even possible? Can you imagine year after year, decade after decade, century after century, wondering, can God do this? And in 1948, the nation of Israel opened up and fulfilled Bible prophecy. And God proved that he is faithful to his word. There is nothing that is too hard for God. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Oh, we give you praise, Lord. Oh, we give you praise. I I want us to turn to Romans chapter 4. Because if God can save me, he can save anybody. If God can save you, he can save anybody. Paul believed he was chief among sinners. And that if God could save him, he could save anybody. And we declare that today, that God's arm is not too short to save he can do anything that he wanted. And like Jeremiah, we say, hey, you, you measure the stars with your span, the span of your hand. You call them each by name. You spoke and the universe came into being. You can do anything. One of the reasons why creation is under such assault is because if creation didn't happen, then there is not a creator. Or if there is a creator, it's just kind of up, he's just kind of off in the distance. He doesn't really want to get involved in the, in the lives of men. But if God spoke and the worlds came into being, if God spoke and creation happened, then there's nothing that he cannot do. Hallelujah. He can do it. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Verse 13, Romans chapter 4. For the promise that Abraham would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. This is is where Abraham believed God. He didn't believe God because the law told him to. He did it because something in his relationship with God rose up inside of him and said, if God said it, it's going to happen. And he believed God. For if those who are of the law are the heirs, then faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath. The law brings about wrath because none of us can fulfill it. And because we fall short, we incur on ourselves the enmity of God. And it's revealed by the law. Aren't you happy about the cross and the shed blood of Jesus Christ? 
We're not justified by outward works of the law. We're justified by faith, uh, by grace, through faith in the work of Jesus Christ. And so Abraham, those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, he's writing to Roman Gentiles. It is, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him who believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You know what the enemy tempts me with? The enemy tempts me by, by, by saying things to, like what Sarah believed. My womb is dead. And the church would look at themselves. Do you know 25% of people that attended church before COVID no longer attend church? Not online, not in person, not anywhere. They're out. The enemy has taken them out of, of, the, of, of play. 25%. That's crazy. And the church is tempted to look at themselves and say, our womb is dead. The womb is the place where life is born. The womb is the place where, where new people are coming to Christ. Intercession where we're praying new people in to the kingdom. And pastors will say, I'm in a frustrating place. No matter what I do, it's not working. Now, this is not true for every church. There are some churches thriving. But most of the pastors are saying, I, I haven't recovered yet from, from the, where we were before COVID. And they feel discouraged. But God looks at things that are dead and he speaks life into them. Praise God. Praise God. And Abraham believed that God could do that. And we as a church, we need to begin to believe again that God can do that. That he can give life to the dead. Call those things which do not exist as though they do. Hallelujah. Contrary to hope, in hope believed. Oh, shouldn't that be the place where the church comes to? Hallelujah. Where people say, oh, there's no reason for you to hope right now. Every trend looks downward. The enemy looks like he's going to win. More people are believing in, in uh, atheism. Less people are believing in God than ever before. You should not have any hope. But Abraham, in contrary to hope, in hope, believed God. Hallelujah. And what we need right now are for some believers, for some sons and some daughters in the kingdom that will rise up and say, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the outside of the, the, the picture looks like. I know what it looks like in the eyes of my spirit. And in hope, I believe in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody give him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord. In hope believed.
so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. In not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was a hundred years old. He did not consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. <laughs> Hallelujah. The last thing Abraham did when God spoke is that he believed that God was able to do what he said he would do. Oh, praise God. He did not waver. He did not allow thoughts to come in that were contrary. He believed God. You and I, we got some work to do. We got to take every thought captive that is contrary to the will of God. And we've got to cast down every imagination that is not from him. And we've got to, uh, we've got to uh, believe him with everything in us. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. He's able to perform it. And therefore, it was accounted unto him as righteousness. So the three men, after he interceded for Sodom, left. And Abraham said, Sarah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And God awoke Sarah's womb. And she conceived in her old age and brought forth a son that because of his miraculous birth became a type as unto Christ. And with the faith of Abraham, thousands of years later, Mary looked at the angel of the Lord and she said, not with the faith of Sarah, with the faith of Abraham, said, may it be done unto me according to all that you have said. May it be done unto me according to all that you have said. You have promised. You have promised. This was not written for his sake alone, but it was imputed to him, that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.
Where does faith begin? Faith begins when you believe unto salvation. And you have an encounter with the Lord. Something switches in your heart. The, the switch goes off in your heart. And you know this is real. This is true. And faith rises up in you and meets the God of salvation that imputes righteousness, washes you in righteousness. Your offenses put Jesus in the tomb, but your justification brought him out of the tomb. And you are justified by faith. By faith. You believe God. Who believes that somebody dead comes to life? That was 2,000 years ago? Who believes that? Who believes that? People that have faith. People whom God calls out of darkness into his marvelous light. People whom feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit and say, what do I got to do now? I know there's something. I know there's something. Believe on him. Believe on him. Believe on him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace by which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope never disappoints because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so how do you respond in the day of visitation? First of all, you change your lifestyle so that you make room for God. Secondly, you give God your best. Your worship, your time, your resources, you're putting him first in your life. And thirdly, when God speaks, you believe. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. Let's just come before the Lord right now. Just in your own relationship with the Lord, just respond to him in the name of Jesus. Respond to the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you for moving in this place this morning. We thank you for meeting people where they are already. You are meeting people in, in this place. Oh, Jesus. God, we right now, we, uh, we, we simply respond to you. We respond to you, Lord. We bless your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Just in your own heart, 
Say, God, I make room for you. I make room for you in Jesus' name.